The National Stadium braced in anticipation and ready to explode to greet the teams for the 134th William Hill Scottish Cup Final. You have classic European nights, fierce derby battles, and then there are cup finals. These are the days that provide moments and memories that will stay for a lifetime. He can his nerves. He can't. Colin Cameron fires Hearts in front. 90 seconds on the clock. Hearts fans celebrate. It's a dream opening for them. Amaruso, that's a run. It's a down. Nielsen throws it out, Jankowski's tried to find it, Rudy Skatchel! Skatchel gets the opening goal in the Challenge Scottish Cup Final 2006. From you. Are you psyched, Mark Donaldson? After that, I am. That was exceptional. Can't wait now. I'm, I'm fired up because you know what? Like the Hibs game, it was taking a little bit. It's not a normal cup final, this one. It's a December cup final. But it's, I mean, it's, it's like an old League Cup final. Um, but it's a Scottish cup final, and that, that gets the juices flowing. Are you psyched, Ryan McGowan? Yeah, I do agree with Mark though, it does seem very different and I think obviously because there's no fans allowed in, you don't get that same sort of buzz of, you know, your mates working out where they're going to go before the game and organising the buses and, you know, and for me, for being on the other side of the world, like having that, I'm going to miss the game type thing, but at the end of the day, I think probably towards Thursday, Friday, everyone will start getting a bit nervous, I'm sure training at Hearts has been you know, the nerves will probably be starting to kick in now and it's just, yeah, cup final days, what, you know, it's that old calendar in the, that everyone looks forward to Scottish Cup final day, you know, you want your team in it, but even if your team's not in it, you tend to watch it, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's weird times and it probably sums up 2020 that it's in December, but yeah, let's hope we can finish it on a high. Indeed. I am Laurie Dunsire. Uh, welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, our cup final build-up show ahead of Sunday's big game against Celtic at an empty 
Hamden Park. Um, we will, of course, talk about that. I am joined by Mark Donaldson and Ryan McGowan, as you've heard, and uh, a few other things. We've got a game to review from the weekend just past. Um, thanks for joining us, Ryan. I guess first off, um, have you recovered from your um, your COVID test? Because I think the only thing more prolific than Hearts scoring in the Championship is how many COVID tests you've had in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Yeah, obviously just um, not long in Australia, so we needed some negative tests before we flew, and I've, I unfortunately tested positive last month, so it was a little bit of a um, scramble to for the you know to do the two weeks and to get a positive test before I could fly. But um, yeah, eventually got the all clear, and um, yeah, feeling pretty good. And, and back in Australia, doing the fourteen. 14 days quarantine before we can um, get out and start the season at the end of the month. So you you have recovered because I think you you'd mentioned before um, you did get some mild symptoms, but never nothing, nothing too serious. Yeah, nothing too serious. Um, you know, lucky enough that it was kind of just a 48 hours didn't feel too great, but then after that was was pretty okay. So it was just a, a case of. Um, yeah, doing the the home isolation while I was in in Scotland, then getting a, a negative test to be able to fly. Um, so yeah, all good, well and recovered, and um, yeah, just looking forward to the start of the, the A League season at the end of the month. And we're doing this um, in three different time zones. We've done two uh, a few times, but three today. So um, it's evening here in the United Kingdom. Mark's mid afternoon over in the states, and it's. It's tomorrow for you, so if if you could just let me know before the game just what happens, <laughs> so, I, so I know if I have to actually bother going to Hamden or not, that would be. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know to pack beers for celebrations or pack the beers to drown your sorrows. It'd be one of one of the two, but yeah, it's a weird weird concept, isn't it? It's uh, seven thirty here in Sydney, so it's bright and breezy. What time will it be for you when the game kicks off? Then, sorry, I can't be bothered working it out. <laughs> What time is kickoff? Two fifteen on Sunday. That's, yeah, so it's about three in the morning, quarter past three in the morning. Oh, so, uh, your other half is going to love that bad. if you if you're up for that. Yeah. <laughs> Last time it was funny because we were still in Sydney when played Rangers in the quarterfinal. What was that like? Was that last year? Um, it was this year, but it doesn't feel like it, does it? It was must have yeah, been must February, have been, wasn't it? Mean, yeah, Dylan and I were in Sydney, so we, um, yeah, he came over and we watched the game um, at my house. But yeah, it's a case of sometimes by that time, after a few beers, it's uh, yeah, it's quite early in the morning. <laughs> so we'd already played the game, I think, about fifty times. But by the time that the game had come on, but um, yeah, we'll probably try and do something like that again um, come Saturday. It won't be quite as ridiculous a time for you, will it, Mark? At least. No, and I've actually got a kickoff, an earlier six twenty-five start for an Italian game on Sunday. Um, oh, you'll, be, Hickey's, you'll be a few beers in by then. Bologna. Yeah, I might not just go to bed. Adam Hickey's Bologna at Torino, so I'll get home. Um, what time's kickoff? Two fifteen to nine. That's honestly a Sunday at two fifteen for a cup final. Come on now. Um, I'll broadcast on Premier Sports as the host broadcaster, who had the Hibs lineup for tonight's game against Aloha. 
uh, with only Marciano in the correct position, and he's the goalkeeper. Um, yeah, so we've got a 6.25 game. It'll finish. I'll be home by 9. I'll have a 15-minute build-up. And I believe BBC or BBC's only given it a, a, an hour build-up um, for, for, for this one. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, I know we're going to speak plenty and look back at various other cup finals. Just before we, we kind of get started, if I'm jumping ahead, I don't care. I want to take you back, Ryan, to the equivalent time um, in 2012. So May the 12, uh, May 2012, it would be the 16th, right? So it would be the Wednesday before the cup final, which was on a Saturday. What were you doing four or five days? At what stage of, of the preparation are the players at right now? Um, for you guys, what was it like then? And for Hearts, they had Sunday off in Monday for a loosener. What will they be doing right now? Uh, it's a combination. It's, it's sometimes a tricky one because you need to make sure that you're getting enough miles in the legs during the week. So, like, going a little bit deep into it, the sports scientists tend to, like, you know, say you need to get 30 kilometres in the leg in a training load week. And in that 30 kilometres, you maybe want to get a thousand high speed meters, you know, 500 very high speed meters. So you get your body used to what it does on a game. So it's like a kind of combination of working hard at the start of the week to get that in and then just kind of possibly tailing it off. But as players, you also don't want to be, you've got a cup final like four or five days away. So it's, um, yeah, it is, it can be quite tricky if it's your sort of first big game because you might want to take it a bit down and not train as hard as possible because you don't want to get injured or you don't want to you know, run the risk of doing anything. But at the same time, if you just have an easy week all week, then come game day, you're lethargic and you haven't got those miles in your legs. So it's um, it's probably up to the coaching staff to make sure, or the senior players that have been there or thereabouts, to make sure that, you know, one, not only training's at a good tempo and that you're getting the work in, but also that people are sensible in knowing that, you know, a dead leg or a... Um, you know, a rolled ankle at this point can definitely rule you out, you know, for the next couple of days. So it's, um, yeah, it's a balancing act between players, coaches, getting your work in and, and then also realising that it's a massive game at the at the weekend. So um, I think probably at this stage they'll just be doing a typical start of the week minus, what, three or four day game day training session, but with an eye on it that, um, yeah, you know, try and keep the boys reined in a little bit and, and just keep them below that sort of red line to get them pumped up for the game. From a, a mental side of things, and this is obviously going to be closer to the game, um, we obviously had some um, ACDC blasting at the start. Um, I don't know what it's like to, to, to play in a big game as a professional footballer. Mark doesn't either. Um, as a fan... I know, you know, before you get to the game, you feel the nerves, you can feel the adrenaline um, when you hear the noise. How big a part does that play in a final like this? And how different is it when you don't have the fans? Because I imagine as a player, and we mentioned it off air very briefly, my naivety not knowing how much music blasts out of changing rooms even an hour before kickoff until recently, because with the stadiums being completely quiet at points, all you hear is the the music that's blaring out of the hearts changing room just now, which I assume is a getting everyone pumped up, getting psyched up, getting the adrenaline pumping. Is that a big part of it for you and for teammates? And how different is it just now when there won't be, I guess, the noise of a crowd to to help with that? 
Yeah, I think it would be mildly different. Um, you know, the the cup finals that I've been involved in, even when I was at Dundee United, we played Celtic, and it's like sort of the night before you stay in a hotel, and then on the way to Hamden, you start to see the fans. You know, when you're like 15 minutes out, you see the odd couple of fans, and then you get closer and closer, and the streets become more field and field and field and field, and then as you sort of driving in, you see that there's a sea of, you know, I remember the... 2012 Cup final was just looked like all of Edinburgh had just gone to Glasgow for the day. So it was, um, you know, definitely like your nerves start kicking in then, and you go out for the warm up. And you know, the, I remember again 2020, uh, 2012 was pretty much full. I think because the time we went out for for kickoff, I think every uh, for the warm up, I think everyone was paranoid about not getting in or missing the start. So um, yeah, it would be a slightly different, you know, going out to warm up. There'll be no one there going out before the game there's no one but um yeah like you said sort of music before the you normally have one person that's in charge of the music um who was in charge in 2012 um i'm trying to think it used to be ryan stevenson he was there for a little bit but i don't know who took over from him he he looks like he would have liked to have acdc yeah, he was just a little bit of everything and then sometimes boys would just say we used to just have like a game day playlist um, I remember the year after with John McGlynn. I'm trying to think who it was. I think it might have been Danny Granger. We kind of played like the last three songs. You know, they'd time it in. So it'd be like the last three songs before you go out to warm up. So you'd know like when this song comes on or we're going out for the warm up soon. And then like as the last song came on, you realised you would be out in like two or three minutes to, you know, any last little bits and pieces. You know, you maybe start tying your shoelaces, you know, when that song comes on. But, um, yeah, it's just a big part of football. But I think Hearts and, and Robbie especially, they, they have the music going in their warm-ups you know, during the week at training. So you know, that might just be a little bit of a case of the coaching staff and the players just think, you know, this is, this is what we do every day. This is you know, how our weekly training sessions go. So that might just get them in the frame of mind of, you know, we're, at, we're going out to work now, so you know, let's not worry about it and um, subconsciously maybe be taking a little bit of the pressure off the boys. I think John McGlynn has got, never, never mind this football chalice, John McGlynn's musical taste. I think he's into thrash metal, right? He <laughs> <laughs> could be. I'm not sure about his taste in music. Just imagine him in charge of the, the cassette player before a game. <laughs> the cassette player, Jesus Christ. Get get the, get John, get your LPs out and let's see what you've got. Um, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Robbie because he apparently it was it was he who wanted the um, crowd sounds to be played by Scott Wilson when the team first went back. He, he thought it would be good for the players to even hear the sounds of that, and he wanted the music as well apparently to be played as loudly as normal. I know some people have brought it up sometimes. Why Scott Wilson playing music to an empty stadium? In terms of managers or even captains or teammates. You you see in you'll see in Hollywood and you've you've heard about certain ones in in real life, you know the big speeches you've seen Al Pacino on any given Sunday that big speech before they the the team goes out we've we've heard of certain managers doing it we've seen um or we've heard uh, Austin McPhee maybe being a bit overly dramatic I don't know if many players would have taken much from his uh, team talk that we heard on the Hearts documentary do you find have you heard a lot of these? Have you heard? I'm going to guess you've had managers who've said very little, some who've said a lot. Do you think that does affect players? Does it affect you? Does it help you get going before you walk out there? 
Um, it kind of depends on, on what game. I think, you know, I'd be pretty disappointed if any players needed would use it as an excuse come the weekend if Robbie didn't give a good pre-match speech. So that's why they didn't win. So it's kind of a case of, yeah, sometimes it's it's more picking the right thing to say and at the right time. You know, if I was the manager of Hearts, I'd maybe be saying at the start of the week, you know, giving them a little, or maybe each day, you know, just being saying some words to to sort of kick the boys on and realize how big a game it is because you know probably maybe nine ten times out of ten before the game you're, you're pretty focused on what you need to do and you and you wouldn't be changing your mindset too much because of what the manager said you know three minutes before you go out for for a massive game so um Ange Postacoglu my coach of the national team a couple of years ago um he was very good at his sort of pre-match speeches, but he would do them, <laughs> the boys used to like, he would do it before pre-match meal. So we'd have our team meeting, he'd name the starting 11, and then he would do this big, massive speech, and he sort of got renowned for doing, he was probably the best one I've had, and I remember boys would get really fired up, but then <laughs> we'd just go through the next room, and you'd be having lunch, and then you'd go back to your room and <laughs> have a sleep, and you'd be you know, lying in your bed waiting to nap, thinking, fuck, I'm going to run through a brick wall here. <laughs> you have to sort of calm your body down to, to get for a sleep. But, um, yeah, I'm sure Robbie will, will probably be more nervous about what he says before the game than than the players waiting to to hear what he said. But, um, yeah, I think it's, it's probably just the big characters that are in the changing room. It's up to them to, to get the boys lifted and or even just sense how the changing room is, you know, maybe calm a few of the boys down if they're, if they're too hyper. And, um, you know, cup final against Hibs was Paolo was sort of, calming everyone down and making sure that everyone knew their jobs and then there was Lockie who was just <laughs> like he was <laughs> just, going to war just and, yeah. <laughs> yeah like he was going to war without a sword he was just fired up just jumping around and um just making sure that everyone knew what it was so it's um yeah maybe it's a case of good cop bad cop and in terms of everyone just realizing that you have your responsibilities although it is a cup final you you know you have to stick to team structure and things like that but at the same time it's it's not just your average game and um yeah i think for a lot of these boys the kind of marius thing and and um you know the the outpour of emotion for that and how much how highly is held because of that cup final you know hopefully that can sort of um you know the new boys to the club or the boys that have been there for a little while can see that you know if you do win a cup final and you do become a Scottish Cup winner how long that does last and and how the fans then remember you um, for years to come so hopefully that's a little good reminder for them that um, you know it's a lot bigger than just a 90 minutes. Ryan last week we spoke about this cup final compared with the other cup finals that most of us will remember 98, 2006, 2012, and now 2020. Achievement-wise, because there's various different ways to look at this. Achievement-wise, where would you put a victory over Celtic this weekend um, in the, the kind of pantheon of 98, 06, and, and 2012? Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting one because, like you said, they're all very, very different. Um, yeah, like since I've been over to Hearts, I've, I've known a lot of Hearts fans and a lot of my mates are Hearts fans and, and they say kind of 98's tough to beat or they used to say 98 was really hard to beat for the for the older, for your generation, Mark, you know, the generation that was born and, <laughs> you know, they had to wait 36 years before um, 
before 98 and they've seen a lot of heartache and then there was the ones that you know 2006 was just kind of like the you know uh, an end to a great season but a season that could have been a lot of you know what ifs if this and this didn't happen and then 2012 beating your rivals but then a lot of people say that game was a great game but the semi-final against Celtic was a better one um and then this one, there's going to be no fans there. So it's it no fans there for the semi-final. I think if fans were there for the semi-final beating Hibs, then beating Celtic, beat Rangers, the, the one before, you know, that's a pretty good quarterfinal, semi-final, final to to beat those three um, would be pretty good. But it, w- it would be interesting to see how, how fans react to it. And if, you know, a lot of times when fans look back at cup finals, it's their own memories. You know, us players do create the memories, but it's, who they were at the game with or who they went to the pub with before and where they went afterwards and how they celebrated and what they did at this moment. So it'll be interesting to see how that is played out with actual fans, you know, either being at home or, or not being at the stadium. But yeah, I'm not sure it will be 98 or 2012, but um, you know, from a club point of view, I'm sure that they'll be absolutely delighted with everything that's gone on um, these last what, eight months in terms of, you know, the powers that be and, and everything that's happened there. It would be a good little uh, two-finger salute to them, I think, for, from the club. OK, well, a good way to warm up for a cup final is to bang in six goals, which is exactly what Hearts did at the weekend. So we'll just quickly listen back to well, just the goals because we're not going to have time for all the highlights. It's a loose pass, so Lee gets his head to it, finds Naismith, right side of the area, early shot, decent one. Oh, oh what a finish! What about that? From Stephen Naismith, an absolute rocket from the skipper. Early ball, ball curled into the finish. box, Boyce Waits gets finish. his head to it! Good header, second goal for Hearts. Liam Boyce finds the back of the net. Driving run here by Eddie White right into the box on the left, goes for goal. Finish. Across and Boyce sliding in, and he's scored. What and start. what an opening to the second half. Plenty bodies forward for Queens. Whipped in by McCabe. It's a decent ball. Knocked towards goal and in. And it's a good ball in and it's a good finish. And it's Obelai who knocks it past Craig Gordon. Boyce trying to slip it back to Walker. Breaks the Walker now. Right foot shot. Lovely effort. And Jimmy Walker drills the ball home for his third goal in two games. It's a take on Buchanan. Good play by Boyce, into the box, chance to cut it back, Finish. finds the free air and it's number five! Liam Boyce. Wonderful play by Liam Boyce, weaving his way towards the byline and he just flicks it back to Elliot Freer who nudges it over the line under the goalkeeper. It was set like, I mean, it was, it was Andy Halliday. Ginelli, long range shot, oh, oh it's number six now! Deedy, deedy oh, me. from nowhere and it's another cracker! And it's Josh Ginelli back in the side, back on the score sheet. So that was Heart of Midlothian 6, Queen of the South 1 at the weekend, which um, a result which makes Hearts the most prolific side in the Scottish leagues at the moment, averaging three goals a game in the Championship this season. Um, so I don't want to dwell on this too much, although um, I'd like to be able to, to dwell on a 6-1 victory. But Hearts with a 4-3-3 formation again, uh, depending how you want to look at it. I know many said it would be a 4-2-3-1, but it did look more like a 4-3-3 at times. Um, Mark, again, we're not going to analyse everything, but I, I guess some big things within this game, some big things for certain players, some things to to give Robbie, maybe some things to think about, some headaches potentially, but um, you know, 
Stephen Naismith, a cracking goal, a couple of assists for Ollie Lee, a couple of assists and a couple of goals for Liam Boyce. Um, it, it was a really good performance, and it's funny because it was 6-1, and it probably should have been at least 8-1. Mm-hmm. Those two misses were, were something oh, else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were rubbish. Let's just let's start off with that. We were excellent, but they were shite. And I should I mean, say, I should say, just um, I was met the Queen of the South. Whoever was running the Queen of the South Twitter page was very helpful with a couple of their names who were messaging me privately, and I, I said after the game, you know, commiserations. Don't know if it was just an off day. How do you guys? How do you think you'll do? Good enough to avoid the drop. And he went. No, we're just we're just not very good. No, <laughs> basically. I mean, they've got, they've got a guy called Norty Norty. I mean, come on, come on now. I I'm know. I was um, I was trying to avoid the um, Ebenezer oh, Good references. I know. I, I managed <laughs> to. Just, they were Ebenezer no very good. They were they were not good at all. Um, I like that. I like look, that. A, a professional commentator would have got their pronunciations correct before kickoff and not had to change the goal scorer. At half time, who's uh, <sighs> Obelai, and um, then in the first half was something totally different. Anyway, that's a moot point. Never mind. Obelai. 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 Anyway, um, and your your um, your half time rather than throughout the game references and mentions for Davy in Ward Nine was was appreciated by all. So thank you for that. I didn't think I was on here to hear Mark Donaldson's critique of my weekend performance. Thank you very much. You want to get better, son? Come on. Yeah. Get um, used to the big time. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you want to dine at the top table? Get used to playing at stake. <laughs> May Smith, excellent opening goal. Boyce, I'm glad he got a couple. Jamie Walker, it's working. This, this formation's working. And how good was it to see Josh Ginelli back and oh, get a yeah. goal? For, yeah. for, forget the goal, but just... Just back, and now, we'll get to this later, but now, what do we do with them? Do we have them coming off the bench on Sunday, or do we start them? Lots to mm. think about. Um, I, I mean, what did you think of the weekend, Ryan? I, I suppose I mentioned a couple of players who, who have been in for some criticism at times, Ollie Lee and Liam Boyce, and despite the fact they both miss absolute sitters, they both had really good games. And, I mean, Boyce especially... I think he's had some deserved criticism for some of his, especially um, finishing. But I think he showed not just the fact that he can get in the right position and score, but I thought for like the, the freer goal, he did really well. And sometimes, you know, we've had the debate on this show about Whiten and Boyce. And I've, I've said earlier in the season, I thought Whiten should have got in at, at times. I think at this point, when you see the quality, the movement, the link-up play, the all-round play of Liam Boyce, I think... He's basically cemented himself right now. He is the first pick, even if he does miss the occasional sitter. Yeah, I think so. I think sometimes um, clubs and fans just look at strikers and just look at goals. And if they've, you know, they played well, people tend to forget about that two or three weeks later, and then just say, "Oh, that's no goals in four games," without realizing that you know he's maybe laid off a few or or like that his general hold-up play. And I, I remember the semi-final against Hibs. Kind of every time the ball came up to him when we we're under the pump, it stuck and, and he got us up the pitch. He maybe won us a free kick or, you know, it was a, a tricky ball up to him and he's laid it off and, you know, the team moved 30 or 40 yards up the pitch. And I sometimes think that a good quality striker does that. And, um, you know, I think sometimes you can miss that, you know, and I think Hearts are definitely a better team when, when he is playing in terms of, you know, looking at the game at the weekend. 
we could be under the pump for a lot of the game. So when a, a ball does come up, we need it to stick or we need him to win a free kick or he needs to to do something. And, um, yeah, I think a good couple of goals for him, um, like you mentioned, a couple of goals for the you know the attacking-minded players. You, know, you could be going into the, the cup final with your kind of front four all have scoring the week before and, and all feeling good about themselves, which is, you know, a, a really positive thing going into the, the cup final. Definitely. I think it might be useful, actually. We obviously asked last week for people to to give us their cup final team, and I think that ties in with talking about the Queen of the South game as well, because it'll obviously be hard for Robbie Nielsen to, to change anything from a team that's won 6-1, but there'll obviously be a lot of debate about certain positions and who plays um so i'll come to you in a second mark but let's just have a look at some of the messages we got so the old the old castle rock says the team for the weekend should be the team from saturday but with harring alongside irving who has to start in reference to um irving lee he has earned his place ahead of naismith who i would drop for janelli so the usual back for irving and harring with a front four of walker lee janelli and boyce in attack um, and a similar setup from Hart's shirt collector, who had the same back four and goalkeeper, Irving and Lee, um, with Naismith in, Janelli and Walker as the three. So Naismith, Janelli, Walker behind Boyce. The four-two-three-one or the four-three-three. I know Robbie likes to call it a four-three-three, and it did look like a four-three-three for much of the last two games. I think that's going to be the system, isn't it, for a start? He's not going to change the system drastically, but there's a couple of big positions in there that he's going to have to pick. Firstly, I'm not convinced he's going to go four at the back. I think the likelihood Oh, Jesus, you've thrown thrown everything out the window. (laughs) Well, I'm just going back to 98, okay? And Jim and Billy worked on something. They took the boys down to Stratford-upon-Avon, and they worked on the shape, and they did a little few things differently. If you'd played the position or the, the formation you were going to play against Queen of the South on Saturday, I didn't see the point in that because why play three at the back against a team that you're going to have a lot of the ball up with? Um, plus, you want you, there's got to be some element of surprise. And the, there's an element of surprise, I think, this weekend with Hearts not being in the same division, albeit we would only have played them once had we have been in the same division. I'm just... I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. I, I can see the two behind the one in attack, but with a back three. We spoke about this last week, and we kind of came to the conclusion it's not something we do in the championship because we have more of the ball. We're not going to have more of the ball this weekend. So I, I think, I'm not saying you will. I still think the likelihood is that it's a four, but I wouldn't be surprised if Robbie has considered playing three at the back, bringing in Popescu, which I think would help better, and then you've got Kingsley and Smith in wide areas. So you don't have so much as wingers. I'd have Janelli on the bench. And you could play Walker and Naismith in behind Boyce. And you could do Haring and Irving. So that is something that I think might be considered by Robbie. And that would give him a little bit of extra strength in the midfield. We didn't get many three at the back um, suggestions. But Mark Wells did say, um, so he, he named a team and said a 3-5-2 Stroke four four two four five one, depending how you set it up. And the reason he put this is he said Gordon and goals, Smith, Halkett, Popescu, um, Kingsley, but Haring in the middle. Um, I think from looking at the way he's put this out, so Haring could be 
a third, a kind of a, a, we spoke a third about central Andrew, defender, yeah. and and obviously then push Halkett and and Berra potentially, or Halkett and Papescu split the centre backs, which you often see from that deep midfielder. Obviously, it couldn't be an Irving or someone like that if they wanted to actually make a three. It would have to be Haring, but. Um, I don't know what you think of that tactically, um, Mark, or Ryan, if that's over you. Well, just before we get to Ryan, there's method to the madness because um, it might not seem like there's homework done here, but there has been homework done here. Ross County went to Celtic Park, played three at the back. Three at the back for St. Johnston. They got a result at Celtic Park. Sparta Prague beat Celtic. They went three at the back. The only one recently who's got a good result over Celtic, and a lot of teams have, is Milan, and they played four at the back, but that's that's different to what they normally do. So the other thing that in, intrigues me was the comments from Neil Lennon when he said, I'm going to go back to the old guard because I feel like I need to be loyal to them. That's a huge thing for Hearts. And if yeah. you're going back to that old guard and you're playing a Scott Brown and the two kids that have come in, um, Sorrow and Clarkson, I watched them because I want Scottish teams to do well Turnbull. in Europe. I thought, uh, Turnbull, sorry, Clarkson. Goodness me, that would mean some move. <laughs> um, they were they were excellent. They gave them the legs and the energy. Mm-hmm. Now, what you would have with this three four two one that I've kind of spoken about is work rate required from Walker and Naismith to help out Haring and and Irving. But then you could tweak. If it, remember the semi finals, Tibbs, how he changed things and he brought um, Naismith on and he tweaked things because it wasn't really working. If you've got Janelli on the bench, if you've got Lee on the bench, if you've got Halliday on the bench, there's plenty things that you can do. To tweak things, you could easily take a centre-back off. But just two things. One, with the teams that have done well against Celtic, the majority of them have played three at the back. And two, I think that would surprise Neil Lennon if Hearts jogged out and kicked off with a back three on Sunday. Ryan, from your perspective, I guess one of my concerns, personally, from looking at the back three, is if if you're talking Halkett, Popescu, Berra, um, it's a very... Even Haring maybe less so, but if it's a Halkett, Popescu and Berra, there's not a lot of mobility in that back three. It's three very traditional central defenders playing that back three. Is that too defensive or is it is that what you want on this Hamden pitch if you're getting Smith and Kingsley bombing forward either side? Yeah, again, it depends. And I think sometimes that old saying, the longer you're in the game, the better chance you have. And especially if Celtic are... You know, they'll be feeling the pressure a little bit with everything that's going on. And, you know, if Lennon sticks to bringing sort of the old guard in and it's nil-nil at half time, you know, a lot of the Celtic players might be a little bit more worried than the Hearts players. But um, I worked out a little formation, if you wanted to hear it. But, yeah, uh, it just had Sort of had Herring as the, at the back of the back three. Okay. Um, Smith and Kingsley as your wing backs. Mm-hmm. You've got Irving and Halliday sitting with Boyce up top and Naismith and Walker behind purely for the fact that if it isn't going to plan, it's very easy to just move it back into the formation that, that Craig likes to, uh, sorry, that Robbie likes to play with just moving Herring from sort of that sweeper yeah. role, middle of the back three, just moving him up into one of the the sitting positions. You can just drop Smith and Kingsley back to sort of two proper fullbacks without actually moving too much of the the team. And, you know, you either put Naismith in the middle and move Irving or Halliday to either side and, you know, that sort of two formations inside of one. And um, I think Robbie really likes um, 
herring in terms of you know he can can play different positions and I'm sure it's it's something he's looking at if it's if it's not going well the first twenty or thirty minutes he can change it without actually making a change and mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of managers like to go with that but um, saying all that I'm not, I'm not sure if if he will play a back three or not it will depend on on how he feels that Celtic's going to play or if he's more worried about you know. Hearts and and what he wants to get from his players, so it's that's something that's probably more um, that Robbie can answer. I'm just concerned, Laurie, if it's a four with Berra, and as much as much as much as I like him, and I know you spoke about lack of mobility, there were a couple of times it's just balls over the top, and Edward would kill him. And if yeah. I'm Celtic, and I know Berra's playing, I'm just saying to Edward, stay away from um, from Craig Halkett. And just go up against go up against um, Christoph Berra. And I get what Ryan's saying as well. And that would be an easy thing for, for the formation and the team I gave you, just to play Haring instead of Popescu and bring in Lee or bring in Halliday. Yeah, I mean, Ma- Matthew Harold mentioned you can't play Berra on a pitch like Hamden. If Celtic are smart, they'll expose him by playing in yep. behind. And That's also, my concern. And also if they have Turnbull or Christie to run in, Naismith you can bring on for the last 30 minutes, provide energy similar to the semi-final. And then Matthew then put, he did put a back four, but he put Popescu in. And I mentioned last week when we talked about the Berra or Popescu argument, I would lean towards Popescu purely because he's, got a little bit more pace, he's a bit more agile than Berra is. Um, Halkett, he's not the fastest himself, actually. It's funny, Ryan, I don't know if you remember, because you were obviously with Christoph a little bit when you first came through at Hearts. He he was actually very fast when he was younger, wasn't he? Pre-injury, obviously. I was skinny once. <laughs> Come on, can't no, be but, this argument. No, no, but <laughs> it's one of these things where he has a lot... I'm not going to say he was now, but I was going to say he's, he's one of these players that I think the injuries have really and the age has caught up with him where he can't rely on that. I think he used to be able to get himself out of bother when he was a bit younger because he, he, he did actually have a decent bit of pace for a centre-back. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He used to be the quickest in all the the testing and mm-hmm. and everything that we did. But pretty sure that the hamstring he ripped the muscle off the bone, didn't he? The, with his hamstring, injury. it was yeah, it was a bad one. And yeah, he, and it came yeah. back. I mean, you know what? It's, I'm sure you've wanted to come back from injury quicker. But that's the type of person he is. Mm, yeah, for sure. So, but then I think you know he's played in cup finals before. He's played in the Premier League. You know, will he maybe handle the occasion better than? Than the, op- the other options that, that Robbie has, so it's sometimes being on the outside, it's easier to say, you know, play this player or why is that player not playing? But it's maybe in training or it's maybe what they feel. You know, would you feel more comfortable in in Berra playing in terms of been there, done that, already got a you know played in cup finals before, played in the Premier League instead of maybe playing a, a younger player? It's there's loads of questions that. Um, you know, need to be asked like that. You know, would Berra fit in if you had to change that formation? You know, if you go to a back four, would it be better to have, yeah. um, you know, different players in that? So it's, you know, managers just can't really pick as much as they want to pick the sort of, eleven. you know, imagine if we, Hearts go 1-0 or 2-0 up and you could bring Berra on, you know, for the last 15, 20 minutes and have a sort of fit and fresh Berra to sort of stop the, the onslaught instead of... Um, yeah, you know, these are different options that you need to think of. You know, not what just about, the first what about 45 leadership, minutes. Ryan? What about leadership? Because in 2012, um, there were a lot of leaders on on the pitch, and I'm not just talking about captains. I'm, there are various ways you can lead. Christoph's a leader. 
He might not be as quick as he was, as Laurie's mentioned. He might not be as good as he was. We've seen that. But how difficult a decision is it going to be for Robbie, knowing Christoph that well? But if you're if it's a leadership eleven, he's one of the first name on the team sheet. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Yeah, and that and that's why you know Robbie's the manager, and he has to make these these tough decisions. But um, you know, knowing Christoph, it won't matter if he's he'll still prepare the same if he's starting, if he's on the bench or if he's in the stands or if he's injured. That's just the type of guy he is. And that's why he's had the career that he's had because of those those leadership qualities. But, um, you know, you look at the sort of teams that we're picking. You've got Naismith, who's been there, done that. Boyce, mm-hmm. who's won cup finals before. Walker's played in cup finals with Hearts previous. Halkett's been in and around the Scotland squad. Smith, who's played 80-odd games for um, Northern Ireland. Kingsley's played in the Premier League. Halliday, Played for Rangers, not won anything at Rangers, but you know played in big games, scored in FA Cup finals, uh, FA Cup games against Chelsea at Bradford. You know Craig Gordon's won everything in the game. There's there's players that have been there and done that. So comparing that to our 2012 team, this team's probably got more experience than than we did back then. So it would be a case of them, you know, not so much stepping up to the plate, but they have to believe that. You know, they've got a lot of boys in that changing room that have, have won things or have been at big, big games. Um, there's no reason why they can't go out and win on at the weekend. John McKellar picked his team. He started Halliday and Naismith in there. He said he would start with Lee and bring Ginelli on about the hour mark. He didn't want to risk Ginelli and he thinks the game will hinge on Walker and Boyce finishing clinically. Um, he does also say, P.S. Love you, Gowser. Um, so I thought I'd, oh. uh, that's John McKellar sending his love. Um, yeah, but does he love Gowser as much as your missus, though? Has dreams about. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if love is, is the right word for that. Um, more that uh, I guess maybe nightmares about yet another podcast happening. Um, for, <laughs> I think it's the fact the first one we did took three hours and she was probably up 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 late with work the next morning. Um, yeah, we won't go into that, will we? No. No. Um, interesting. So John had Halliday and Naismith starting and. This is one that I was having to think about in the week because I think they're two players that you could... They're not players I would say would be definite names on the team sheet. However, will Robbie think about this game not just, I guess, on form but on those characters and maybe factor in the opposition? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know him better than, than, than most Ryan, I mean, I've had a couple of text conversations with him this week. I know he's he's pumped up. I think he, I think he kind of likes the fact that all the pressure's off, and a lot of people kind of see the semi final as as Hearts Cup final. And mm-hmm. now, I'm not saying it's playing with house money because I think we've got a chance. And going back to the conversation we had about whether or not we play better or Popescu, I spoke last couple of weeks about Celtic's inadequacies when it comes to defending set plays and the goals they've conceded, and and Popescu is a threat from from set plays. As is is better. Um, what's what do you think he's he's, he's going to do with regards to naming the team? And, and when was your team named ahead of of 2012? And do you think Robbie will will do something similar or be different? Uh, we'll we'll kind of so Paolo used to sort of name his team first day back from the previous weekend. So it was probably the oh, Tuesday or, really? or Monday. Oh. Yeah, he would kind of have well not. 
he wouldn't name it as such, but he would put, well, he put the starting 11 in bibs that started the game on the cup final on the Monday and then had like your sort of second 11 behind. And he used to like doing patterns of play against nobody. So you kind of guessed, you know, if you're in the same team as Webby, Zhao and Rudy, (laughs) you kind of thought I've got a chance of playing here. So that was kind of his, his thing. And then he would just have certain positions where he would, so for a lot of the week it was between Temps and Suso on the right. Um, and then he had, or he would swap like Suso and Driver um, throughout the week. And then, so there was a few ones that you could tell, and Beattie up front with Stephen Elliott. So there was a couple that you could tell that he wasn't too 100% sure on what he was starting. But um, yeah, I'm not sure if Robbie will, will kind of do that. But I also think there's, like we said, we've probably named eight players the same or nine players the same. It's probably yeah. just a couple positions that, that would be unsure. And I think that's a lot better position to be going in than if you're in the Celtic squad. Yeah. Because if you're in the Celtic squad and you've played well the last two games, if you're, say, um, Turnbull, you've played well the last two games, but then you hear Neil Lennon say that, you're then thinking, I might not even be yeah. on the bench. I'm just imagining you turn up at training and you can see Mehdi Tawil next to you and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm not in the team this week, am I? Um, I, I, just, I mean, joking, but mentioning him, Chris Scott um, asked, was Mehdi actually a decent footballer? And if so, why didn't it work in a Hearts jersey? Sorry, a few people fired questions for you, so I thought. Yeah, he was a very, very good footballer. Technically, he was very good, wasn't he? Yeah, technically, he was very good. But I think, um, you know, we didn't probably play with a proper number 10. And I think mm-hmm. he then struggled to find his position because at Kilmarnock, when he was doing really well, he was just a, an out and out old school number 10 in terms of I don't think he had too much defensive duties and um, you know everyone kind of not evolved the play around him but when Kilmarnock was playing well it tended to be he was playing well and and then when he came to Hearts I think he struggled because we didn't play a, a 10 as such so then he'd sometimes get shifted out wide and then out wide he had to have a lot more you know um it's just a lot more defensive duties, a lot more probably running around than he was used to. And, and then when he eventually got on the ball, he was in positions on the ball that he probably didn't like or, or wasn't used to. So it's it was probably maybe just, a, you know, sometimes players are suited to certain formations or certain clubs. But, um, yeah, you know, and then overall, I think he did, still played some good games. I remember against um, Liverpool, I'm sure it was, at Tynecastle. He played really well that day and... Um, yeah, it was just a. It's probably just that timing and and the way that also Jeffries brought him in and then got sacked and you know his end kind of like that was the guy that brought me in and um, yeah he was a very very good footballer it probably just didn't work out to be as as good as both parties had thought it would be but um, yeah I still definitely think he wasn't a, a failure at Hearts and and you know put in some good performances for sure. The pitch at Hamden, just going back to the game at Sunday, Danny um, messaged and he mentioned the game could be lost by Celtic taking advantage of the size of Hamden's pitch as they're a quicker team than Hearts. Um, we know it's traditionally a slightly bigger pitch than Tynecastle. I know pitch dimensions change. You know, Certain clubs will sometimes change dimensions. Um, it, do you feel that? Because obviously, I think Hamden obviously looks a lot bigger as well because it's so wide and it's so open with the, the running track as well. As a player, you've played at Tynecastle a lot, and you've played at Hamden a few times as well. Do you feel the difference? Um, yeah, yeah, yes and no. I think also it's 
not that kind of optical illusion as such, but I don't think it's as big a difference as everyone thinks it is. No, I know, because I mean, sometimes, and I was trying to find, not long ago, because I'm sad, I was trying to find the actual dimensions, because, and again, I know I know they change, they don't always redo the lines. 105 by 68. Is that the, is that the current ones, is it? Because I know there's a minimum and a maximum you can be, you can have, so it does have to fall within a certain limit for all pitches. Yeah, six, six of the 12 teams in the SPL or SPFL have 105 by 68. Tynecastle is one of the smallest. Celtic Park's one of the largest. Um, it's 114 by 74 yards, 104 by 67 metres. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going with that, they'll have slight advantage. But um, I just wonder how much it how much it feels like it impacts because. I feel like if you swapped the pitches between Hamden and Tynecastle but kept the stadiums, Hamden pitch would look massive still and Tynecastle look smaller just because of the way that the grounds sit. So sometimes yeah, exactly. I do wonder if it's sometimes it's in our heads because you know, for me it looks much bigger sitting watching it. But when you're out there on the field, I guess, it does it really affect things? Do, do the managers, do the players, do you all take that into account? It, it can do, just sometimes just purely in terms of spacing you know you want your sort of back four to be tight or you know your your midfield lines and between the defense and strikers to make the pitch as small as possible i think you hear managers say that a lot you know make the pitch as small as possible in terms of just getting loads of numbers in and around the ball and i think at hamden again it's sort of i think it's like yeah like you said i think it's maybe four or five meters either side which is you know a big gap um or a long distance when you're sort of shuffling back and forward across so it's um yeah it is interesting but it it yeah i think it's more of a, it looks bigger um than it actually is and i think a lot of times in the cup finals it's in the scottish summer or if there's such a thing so it's a little bit warmer <laughs> whereas that won't be a problem at the weekend so it's um yeah the the pitch i think sometimes the bigger pitches fans like to make that out to be a little bit bigger like um you said i, I used to not like playing at Celtic Park I felt that that was absolutely massive pitch that's probably one of the only pitches I've been on that I've thought Jesus I can't even my eyes aren't the best the best of times but I couldn't see the goalie down the other end of the pitch and it just felt like (laughs) Celtic Park was going further and further away as we're running up the pitch but um yeah it's funny that Celtic Park and Hamden are are pretty much as close as you're going to get to two pitches exactly the same size Celtic Park's just a little bit smaller all right, see, so I would have said that Celtic Park was bigger. One hundred four by. It could have been different back then. Seven. I mean, and one hundred five. Yeah, it would have been different. It would have been different back then. Yeah, they've changed it since I've played. They've changed it. But um, yeah. So uh, and I probably think that's Celtic's done that on purpose. Um, you know, I remember sometimes at training, this was how um, you know, sort of dialed in John McGlynn was. He sometimes used to change the training pitches at um, Rickerton. Like if we're playing at Rugby Park, Rugby Park's a really wide pitch. So he used to put training, he used to move the cones out, you know, a metre or two metres because we're playing at Rugby Park to get used to playing a little bit bigger. And he used to know all the dimensions of all the pitches. Um, and if we're playing a home game, he'd shuffle it in a little bit. And I think he was the one that got Rickard and changed to the same size as Tynecastle. I'm not sure if that's still the same, but I'm pretty sure he he changed that when he came in because he's like, what's the point of... You know, training on a pitch that's bigger than Tynecastle makes sense. So he was um, he was very switched on in terms of of those little um, key details. And he's a style icon as well. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just and just some managers just have those those little things that they're they get on. Paolo Sergio swapped the subs where the dugouts are. Did you ever notice that? He swapped the subs where the dugouts are. Well, so sorry, the dugouts. So way back when, before Sergio came in, the dugouts used to be different sides. Yeah. You yeah, yeah. Way, way back. Yeah. So he changed it because he felt that the linesman was always on that side so that the away team always got to talk to the linesman when he was up at the halfway line. I, you know how, I was convinced you know how that was before Paolo Sergio that, 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 that no, did that. Sure. No, and if you look if you look back, like Jeffrey's first spell, um, like even like Stevie Frail, all that, they're on the other side. Yes. And it yeah, wasn't until Sergio recently, oh. so 2011, they moved to the other side. I could have um, sworn it was before that because remember when Katongo scored the last minute goal and Jeffries comes from the left hand side. If you're in the main stand, um, and people talk as well about how when when Tynecastle's main stand was rebuilt. The obvious thing would be the tunnel's right on halfway. But you do have that advantage now with that dugout being where it is in that you can have a word in the ear of the assistant and the opposition manager or coaching staff can't really get to him. But it's the little thing... It looks Lord, annoying, though, because it's not, it's not straight. No, I, know, I, I know, I know, but it's just it's the little things no that, that Ryan's talking about. Yeah, because yeah, no. even if you remember back, if you look back at like, I'm trying to, you've put doubt in my head now, but I'm pretty sure I used to sit on the bench a lot as a youngster. And um, yeah, it used to be, we would, as you're coming out of the main stand, we were to the left. And it wasn't until um, Paolo Sergio came that we moved to the right. I, I just wonder if this is, and maybe people could help me or help us with, with this. Hearts traditionally have the home end the Gorgi Road. Yes, back mm-hmm. in the day, way, way back. Now, obviously, in the, the 70s and 80s, the away end was, was at the Gorgie Road. I just wonder if, uh, with Hearts kind of having that and, and the wheat field going up and then the, the Gorgie Road end and the Gorgie stand going up, if the dugout that Jim Jeffries occupied on the left-hand side was kind of perceived as, as nearer the, the home support and, and not the other way around. Because right now, you've got your dugout, the home dugout is nearer the away end. And the home hmm. It's just little things that a lot of people probably haven't thought about before, but I think are interesting. Yeah, yeah. So he turned out just because he used to get annoyed that um, the opposition fans could, you know, just that like when the linesman comes jogging up that they could speak yep. to him, and he couldn't if like the linesman never got close enough that he could shout. So he just felt that that was because um, oh, he don't go over halfway. Yeah, that was his um, little thing, and he changed that. I just remember being on the bench and having to. A few times, just having that habit of turning left, <laughs> turning right. Um, so, uh, let's. Um, I've got a few other things to to run past Ryan before we go. We've got some other messages, but um, before that, talking about the cup final, um, we've we've spoken about the team. Obviously, Robbie will will have the final call, and and what will be will be with the team that goes out there. Where's this game going to be won or lost, Mark? Because we've seen so Celtic. We'll go with the back three, we imagine. I think, is he going to stick with Connor Hazard in goals? Because he's played the last two. He's played his first two games of the season and they've won them both against Lille and Kilmarnock. So it's, a, it's a big call. It's a big call. I mean, he's a big lad. Um, six... So am I. I'm not a goalkeeper. He's he's a better goalkeeper. But, I mean, what, if, you're, if you're bringing back Barkas or you're bringing back Bain, having just basically said, 
for the last couple of games you're not good enough. Um, and if he if he does stick with Hazard, is there anything Hearts can do? The whole the old Sandy Clark on Campbell money back in the eighties and a couple of early elbows in the ribs just to say welcome, we're here. I was more thinking of the fact, and I. I've not seen much of Connor Hazard. I can't comment on his ability, but sometimes a keeper that size, six foot six, maybe not the quickest at getting down to lower shots. We've we've shown that we can we can pop them in from range recently. Is that a an incentive for a for a Halliday, for a Walker, for a Naismith to to start and Ginelli if he starts to start having it some twenty thirty? Come on, I will. We're going to be in the game. I'm just, I'm just wondering if little things like that will play a part in thinking that keeper. Oh, 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 if he plays, it'll yeah. be his third appearance of the season. Last season, he was on loan in the championship. This is a, a big game for him. Maybe a, a game of a big yeah. magnitude. A hundred percent. And you, you've got to test them. I mean, I jokingly said if we can get into or out of our our own half. Uh, from what we've said about this, this being kind of playing with with house money, I'd have a go within reason. I wouldn't deviate too much from the, 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 the two-off, one-up in attack. As I said, we've, both dis- we've all discussed maybe potentially playing three because other teams have had success playing three against Celtic. I think it's down to belief. And as Ryan was talking earlier about experience, there's a lot of these players that have done stuff in football and I don't think we'll be overawed by this. And there's absolutely no pressure on Hearts. We've got what we, what we hoped for, and that was a place in the final by, by beating Hibs. But I don't want it to kind of sound like, oh well, we'll just enjoy our day in the sun. No, this is this game's there to be won. So you, you think it's this a case of <clears throat> it's not a case of keeping Celtic at bay, not completely. It's a it's a case. Well, they're going to have spells. Yeah, they're going to have yeah. more of the ball. But it's what we do with it. I think. I mean, is, even when you look back at the Hibs game, Hearts weren't very good for the first what half hour. Even well, there. even first first half into the start of the second, well, I would say as well. There you go. But yeah, so. And, I mean, you were, we were holding on a little bit. Craig produces the wonderful save. Um, I just, I think we, we can look back, and I know they're, they're kind of different personnel to an extent. We can look back at the cup final that we played last May. And I think we can take, we can take hope from that. I just, I was so enthused by the comments of Neil Lennon saying about Scott Brown and others bringing them back. I hope it's not, I hope it's something he sticks to, but don't be frightened of them. I've said it before, yeah. they, are, they are a heavyweight champion who is on the way out. Their legs are going, if not gone. Test them. Let's see what they've got. 11 successive trophies they've won. So, I mean, we're looking to become the first side in Scotland to win a major trophy since Hibs won the Scottish Cup in 2016. So it is crazy. But, I mean, I mean, looking at that, Ryan, if, if, if you're part of that team, do you think if Lennon does make a decision like that? Because we're obviously speculating. We've heard stories some of the players, there's a bit of discord in the camp. Things aren't all well. If players have come in and done well, like is it is it Sorrow or is it, is it Zorro? I've not actually. Is it just Sorrow? Um, if he's done well the last two games, but they bring Brown in almost uh, as a a nod to him because he's Scott Brown. He's the captain. He's not been on form, but you'll bring him in because he is who he is. Is that something that you, you think of as a player? Right. There'll be a few people thinking, why is he playing? Why is he getting a game? He's been terrible recently. Someone plays better than him, but he gets in because it's a cup final and he's the captain. Do, do you think that's something you play on as a player in the opposition? Uh, yes, and if I was a Hearts player now, you just won six-one. You've beaten Rangers and Hibs to get in the cup final. 
you're thinking, I'd be thinking, these guys are shite. We're fucking right up for this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a massive chance for us. to. We're not going to get many better chances. Mm-hmm. They've not been playing well the last couple of months. Do you mean we're scoring goals? We've got players that can hurt them. You know, we've got strikers. We've got players that played in big, big games before. We've got Craig Gordon in goals. Do you mean fuck? What a chance! Like they don't got like there's no crowd. This is do you mean everything that you kind of want as a, a Hearts fan going into it is do you know what I mean stacked up against us? All the pressures on them. Do you mean if, for example, Hearts win at the weekend, it's like. Neil Lennon sacked, or Neil Lennon's going to go, or there's, do you mean? Sacked in the shower. Outside, yeah, young boys outside parkhead kicking fences. Do you know what I mean? Whereas throwing sharks. If they win, if they win, then it's kind of like Neil Lennon buys himself time. You know, so there's not real any like disaster for Hearts. It's just I'll just be looking at it as a great opportunity just to win. You can't. I think there was another interesting stat. It's the first time Hearts have won the game before a cup final. That they won, so they didn't win before '98. They didn't win before 2006, nope. and we got <laughs> spanked in Celtic yeah. in 2012. Um, that could I mean, be right, so yeah. Be, I don't know about the yeah. older ones, but certainly the most most recent ones, yeah. Yeah, so the, you know they'll be full of confidence. Like you said, they're, they're averaging three goals a game in the championship. I know it's a, a big jump up, but I, I would just be thinking, and I'm sure a lot of the boys are in there going, "What a chance this is!" Do you mean? What an opportunity that they're not playing well. The camp's in turmoil. Let's just get right in and about them and, and let's see where we are. Let's let's cut to the chase. Your big pals are Rogic. Has he said anything? No, because he's very he's a lot more switched on than used to. He will he will know that I'll be trying to get some inside the camp. He's a lot more switched on than us two. So yeah, um, but yeah, I hope he doesn't play. Oh, so do I. Um, I like him. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he doesn't play. But, um, yeah, it's just going to be... I would, from a heart's point of view, wouldn't even really be bothered about who plays for Celtic. No, agreed. They had Mikey Johnson playing for them in the cup final in, in 2019. Um, I, I, again, you the, the worst thing about looking at players... Laurie mentioned Connor Hazard and, and kind of think, you know, oh, you just waste time thinking about things you get no control over. You yeah. don't know how he's going to react. You'll have seen yeah. youngsters who you think, well, they're, mentally they're so tough, and then they go to bits. And you'll see yeah. the opposite as well. well who was, a, who was the standout in the last cup final? It was a 16-year-old, wasn't it? Who everyone yeah. thought would crumble against Scotland's best player at the time. And he absolutely yeah. bossed the game, didn't he? If, it, if everyone knew that Hickey was going to start the cup final last cup final, every, like we would be sitting on this podcast going, I don't know how he's going to handle it. It's a big game. Forrest has on, been on fire, player of the season, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what and we said, Mark, wasn't it? Me, and me, then it's, me you yeah, and Jimmy were talking. You're like, he's, well, we know, he's we know nothing. We know absolutely <laughs> nothing. Rogic knows everything and we know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> how many times have you kind of have you just? That's what sports all about. Sports expect the unexpected. Things happen. What the time the favourites win? Celtic are the favourites. Do you know what? The more we talk about this, the more hope I've got for the weekend. And oh, hope is dangerous. Yeah. No, no, no. But there's nothing to lose for Hearts. I know. Here. I know. I, I, I wouldn't mind McGowan standing up and giving me my pre-match team talk. That, that was pretty <laughs> rousing. I kind of like that. that. I'd be thinking, you know what? They're like the shit on my shoe after that <laughs> speech from McGowan there. 
I'd be, I'd be like Loki. I'd be wanting to fight without a sword. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, but I think a lot. You, you can't tell me that Naismith will be in that change room before the game, going, "Oh, hey guys, you know, make sure we keep the ball." And, yeah, make sure we keep the ball and, and don't let Scott Brown get on it and dictate the game. He'll be thinking, <laughs> "Who are these guys? These guys are shy. Let's get in and amongst it. Let's smash a few of them early doors. Let's keep the ball. Let's put the pressure right on them." Do you mean? Just we're not. Just don't tell Halliday that because you'll be set off within five minutes if you. Can. <laughs> Halliday, yeah. smash a few people. Wait a minute, actually, don't calm down just a little bit. Do you know what I mean? I would, I would be. Do you know what I mean? Even as you're playing, you can't tell me Naismith's not going to be in Scott Brown's ear saying, <laughs> "Where have you been the last couple of weeks? You've been on a holiday. <laughs> You'll be in everyone's ear." Like they're they're the little sort of tricks of the trade, or do you know what I mean? Fucking hell, you guys are closer to us than you are to Rangers at the moment in terms of points. <laughs> Everything you need to be doing to be just getting in there, they will be more nervous than Hearts going into this game because there's a lot more pressure riding on them, not only on the pitch, off the pitch, on the you know the board, the manager, the players, everyone's getting tested at the minute. So it'll be a lot more pressure on them to see how they cope with it more than you know a sort of settled Hearts team that's that's averaging three goals. Do you mean you flip it and you're looking in from the outside, averaging three goals a game in the championship? I think they've only lost one of their last, what, 15, uh, only lost one game this season, have they? Is that right? Two games. One game of the championship, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try yeah. and ignore the Alawa result other, as well. Other, um, yeah. No, the, you're, you're right. There's, there's, the hearts have, hearts are definitely in with a chance. And I'd say more of a chance than the last cup final, and we, we didn't do too badly in that one, despite the end result. Before, I, before I'll quickly fire some questions at you and then let you go, um, just wanted to mention, last thing in the cup final, Hearts have announced that the um, the idea which originated... Was it Scott Wilson who originally shared this one, Mark? We spoke about it yes, a wee while true. back. So, very fittingly, um, Hearts players will all wear number 26 on their shorts this Sunday, obviously in honour of the late Marius Salyukas, and I think that's it's a, it's a wonderful touch, and um, you know it doesn't mean that Hearts will def- will win the game, but if they do, I think it would be it would be terrific that they would do it. I guess in his honour after the, the obviously the horrible news we had after the um, or during the semi final. Yeah, I think it's a great touch. I, I knew the club would do something like that, mm-hmm. um, and I was went to the memorial that they held at, at Tyne Castle last month and um spoke to Anne and she said that you know that they are planning on on doing something else um in terms of sort of more once the fans are allowed back in the stadium and and doing something along those lines so um and also the the boys from the cup final um we're trying to sort of organize something from a from a player's point of view so um yeah it's it's nice to touch from the club and and something that you know I think everyone Everyone knew the club would do something good, and it, it's just a, a lovely touch for his family and, and for the people that are close to him to know that you know he's still, still held in such high regard for from the from the club. And um, yeah, hopefully the players can go out and and do it not only for him but you know for themselves and realise that you know these cup finals like we touched on earlier they don't come around that often, and um, you you know you win them. You, you join a sort of elite bunch of, of Hearts players that have, have won the Scottish Cup and, and what that brings. Okay, so before we let you go, Ryan, because I know you've got 
your whole day ahead, and I'm sure you've got busy plans in your hotel. Maybe some, maybe some training. Um, We've got some messages, and I'll quickly go through some of these. Um, Ian White message just to say, I'd like to thank Ryan McGowan and Andy Webster for coming along to the West End Hotel after the final in 2012 to collect awards at an Orwell Heart Supporters Club. These things mean a lot to fans and live long in the memory. He's got a story. Oh, have you got a story? No, No, I don't have a story. I just remember I think I was a little bit... Tipsy? I think, think, yeah. Well, you just won a cup, beating Hibs 5-1 and scored in a final. If you weren't drunk, there'd be a problem. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, hopefully the current set of players get a chance to do something, although... I don't think it'll be any time soon, even if they do win on Sunday, sadly, due to the whole pandemic. Um, Mark Wells actually messaged just saying, it's time to pitch the A-League, Ryan. Been watching for a good few years, um, hence his Western Sydney Wanderers allegiance. Very high quality, different from what um, my dad used to pick, random teams on his coupon during the off-season. There's a fair few jambos down under nowadays as well. Um, I have watched it before. I haven't watched it um uh, recently, but I've watched the last few seasons, and I, I tell you what, one of the things I used to like about it, apart from the fact it was on early morning, so you get some football at eight nine a.m. UK time, you'd always get a lot of goals in the A League. Hmm. It's not good for a defender. I was going to say maybe not good for you, but <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think it's a good league. Um, yeah, like you said, there is a lot, a lot of Hearts fans, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm I play, but yeah, a lot of the games you do see a, a Hearts Dylan. top. <laughs> Probably Dylan, yeah. The, you do see a, a Hearts top kicking around some of the away games, which is which is good. You always sort of give them a wave, and you get the five-one back, or you get the the big sort of pointing to their badge. So you're like, yeah, that's why I'm waving because I can see your your Hearts top. But there tends to be a lot of um, there tends to be a lot of the, the Hearts fans uh, that come to the games, which is good. And um, I think there's a lot of sort of UK Scottish people that have now you know live out in yeah. in Australia and. Um, yeah, get along to the games and um, yeah, it's a good league. This year will be be interesting. So we're kind of back to normal, especially in New South Wales. So we've got 100% capacity for, in terms of crowds, um, and a lot of the other sort of states are up near the 75%. So um, yeah, Australia's a little bit quicker in terms of they realised for a long time that you know you couldn't put in 100%, but they just started off at 25% for certain stadiums and um yeah gradually built up from from there and we had our grand final at the end of august and even then it was i think it was 40 percent capacity so um you know, well well ahead of us <laughs> yeah i mean you can't tell me that they can't have 30 percent or 20 percent in hamden at the weekend so it's um yeah they're a little bit more switched on in in terms of allowing that type of stuff in at the stadiums but yeah looking forward to to playing our first games the 30th um, of December, so it's um, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. It's a little sort of squeezed up season because of the COVID sort of thing. So it's um, yeah, six month season and get done and dusted and, and hopefully go back to back and and win the grand final in the league again. And it's your last season in Australia, so enjoy it before you come back to Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was waiting for that one. Maximus yeah. Hound actually referred to you as the Adelaide Gary Locke. <laughs> <laughs> So does that mean maybe Ryan in a few years you can just be kicking around Tynecastle um, doing the ambassador role? Maybe you could take that on. I know. I seen him last month. I said, "What a job you've got, mate! You just 
he basically just moved his house into Tyne Castle and he just walks around <laughs> talking about hearts like he used to do in Bonnie. It's a you, social club for him. You would have yeah, that. Basically. This would be a great job. I'll be his apprentice for a couple of years. He'd just be like doing this, but you'd actually get paid for it. Yeah. No, yeah, that's a good one. Go look at Alu. I like that one. Here's a good question, actually. I'll finish with this one because this is um, Lewis said, I'd like to know the strangest pre-match ritual you've seen, either at Hearts or further afield. Um, you, have you seen many of those? I know we've, we, we, I've heard about some of the bigger players with some strange things they do pre-match. Any, any, any that you've seen at Hearts or, or, or at other clubs? I've seen one at other clubs. I'll, I'll keep him nameless, but he was very... Um, he used to do a thing with his zip in his pocket. So, you know, like his tracksuit pocket. And he would have to, like, zip it up and down, say, like, eight or nine times. Oh, um, and then he would have, like, thing, yeah. yeah, he'd have, like, his drink bottle. And before the warm-up, he would have to be, like, you know, say, below the the sort of label. And then before, <laughs> the, before the game went out, he'd have to have, like, a certain amount. You know, it could just be on the bottom. And he'd, sometimes he'd obviously not want to drink it, but he'd be waiting to go out to the game and he'd be sipping his drink and then looking at it and sipping a little bit again, looking at it, sipping it again, looking at it, just to make sure that it was on the <laughs> on the label. And he'd only eat like a certain sort of, I think he would always have a banana before the game. Um, he'd put his, like he was real, you know, it was like left sock, then right oh, sock. Oh yeah, that's three, proper, left. proper OCD, isn't it? Yeah. And, he would, um, and the zip thing was... It's kind of weird that he'd do the zip when it was on, but it was weirder that once they were hung up, he would still have to do it. Did anyone ever try and mess with it? Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> I take it that <laughs> didn't it go down totally, well. Yeah, it totally freak him out. So he just kind of ended up leaving it. But um, yeah, I think a few players. It's just superstition slash getting them into that sort of frame of mind that this is what they're going to do, and they've been doing it for so long. It's maybe sort of a calms their nerves more than. And superstition. So you don't have any lucky pants or anything that you wear? Nah, not at all. Our, um, our kit manager in Sydney, he had lucky pants that I didn't know though, and I gave him a wedgie before one of the games. <laughs> ripped his, ripped his pants, and I obviously didn't know. And he just turned around. And his face was like, oh my god, like, I cannot believe what you've done. And he started saying like, well, these are my lucky pants. I've had them on for like three years, and in these three years, we've only lost you know a handful of games. And we've just been like, it's a load of shit, mate. Like, it's all just fake, like, what you're talking about. And it was a big game, that game. And it was a game that, you know, it was going to be close. And we ended up winning. And <laughs> he ended up being like, yes, <laughs> finally, I don't need to wear my pants anymore. <laughs> so, uh, sometimes they just need to get snapped off and just, you know, it's just, it's more in their head than actually, you know, something that could actually happen. Well, you, you you wedgied the superstition out of them. Excellent. Yeah, um, straight up. <laughs> well, I, I I think it's a, a suitable note to to end with. Um, Ryan McGowan <laughs> giving someone a wedgie before the game. It's exactly what you want. Um, uh, before we go, just to quickly mention um, HMFC France message that this will go out um, on his birthday. So a happy birthday to Lois, who does HMFC France page. There'll be other things to talk about. At a later date, I know Hearts have appointed a new sporting director, but I didn't really want to get into that this week with the cup final coming up. We'll get into that. Um, I'm just very psyched up for it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing. What, what's, what's your pre-match? Your pre-match tune's going to be, guys. I mean, Ryan will probably have his headphones on, I imagine, at 3 a.m. trying not to wake up the family. But um, mm. oh. uh, I'm going to, 
I'm going to have Avicii. Okay, I'm going to go yeah. Jambo Tribe. Um, mm-hmm. from from that album, tracks 19 and 20, History of Harps. <laughs> it's going to be my pre-match. Um, there's no point in doing predictions, right? Because no, it's a Harps no. podcast, right? So we're all we're all not going to see Celtic are going to win the cup final, are we? So, <laughs> no, but <laughs> here here here's the the alternative question: Who is Harps' unlikely hero? Like Darren Barr and Ryan McGowan in 2012 this weekend. Ryan, you first. Halkett and Kingsley. Ooh, okay. Halkett had a Kingsley free kick, 2-0. Okay. Oh, I had um, I had a thought about this the other day, and I can't remember who had popped in my head. I don't think it was A.D. White, because that would be a big unlikely hero. Um, I, I was thinking maybe more like a, an Ollie Lee um, who, mm-hmm. who's who been out of favour which is a bit of a boring one it's not like a completely left field one um, you know what I would like I would like it to be better um, after everything that's mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. Um, he obviously he, he, he had a part in the Celtic winning goal last time um, a negative part obviously I would like it to be better um, whether whether it will be or not, I don't know. But you know, if it was a better header from a free kick or a corner to win the game, I I, I, I would enjoy that. I'm going to go with Andy Halliday, and here's what's going to happen: Andy yeah. Halliday scores a last minute goal, takes his heart's top off to reveal <laughs> oh, no. a Rangers top. The Celtic fan, uh, Celtic, there's no Celtic fans. The Celtic players all start fighting him. Neil they Lennon get banned does, for yeah. several games, along with Neil Lennon, who gets fired. Um, and then Rangers end up walking the league because all the Celtic players are suspended. We just miss Andy Halliday. So Ollie Lee is able to deputise for a few weeks. But that's what he does. He scores a winning goal, takes his Hearts jersey off to reveal some sort of Rangers logo or crest or jersey or T-shirt, having just scored the winner in a cup final. And he is the unlikely hero. And the Scottish football um, fun and games and frivolity continues with a Sunday 2.15 December Hampden Park Scottish Cup final mm. kickoff. There you go. And the Celtic fans storm Hampden after. <laughs> looking Throwing for holiday. Into the showers looking for Lennon. <laughs> um, well, we'll take any kind of win, of course, on Sunday in the Scottish Cup final. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us again. We appreciate... Um, you oh, coming on from the future it. to tell us in the past about what's going to happen on Sunday. Um, yeah. our, our first three continent um, podcast, I think. I don't know why I'm saying I think. I know it is. We've definitely not done it before. No, it's been is good. It, Always is enjoyable. The, is this the first Monday Scottish Cup final, Ryan, for you? Uh, yeah. Will be, won't yeah, it will be. There you go. So you will let be. us know how, how we got on so we can decide if we're going to work yeah. or not. Because it, yeah. There you go. Hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll have a, drunk, a drunken FaceTime call on Monday morning, my time. I'll take that. I'll take that. Right, well, well thank you for joining me both. Um, let's hope next week when we are back, we are celebrating a Scottish Cup victory. We'll be back either way, though, next week um, to discuss the Scottish Cup final and look ahead to Hearts' next game, which I'm not thinking about much just now, and discuss anything else that might be in the news. Um, but from the three of us, um, from Tuesday, from Wednesday from the UK, from the USA and from Australia. Goodbye and come on the hearts.